Hey, good morning, Radiant Life. I am so thankful to be here today. That really has been like kind of the, the general feeling I've had. I just, um, over the last month, getting a chance to, to meet some amazing people already. Uh, I knew your church had an amazing reputation for just being just God-loving, generous, and inviting people, and Mike and I have felt included from day one, and I'm looking forward to continuing to get to know you just over the next, yeah, long term, so really excited for that. Um, quick quick connection for us, just a quick way for you to, to know um, some, some background. Um, we have been friends of Radiant Life for a long time, several years now. Um, in fact, Pastor Chris was one of Mike's groomsmen in our wedding five years ago. So we have been friends with Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel, and we um, are really excited to be on this team and a part of what God is doing here because God's doing a ton, so really excited for that. Well, let's, let's get in the Word. Uh, I have spent the last several weeks kind of ruminating on something love to share with you today. We will be in Genesis 12. Uh, feel free, this would be a great time. Uh, we'll have it on the screen. You know, you can click open that app and scroll there, or you can flip open the, the Bible that you brought today or that you have at home. And we will be in Genesis 12 today. All right, Genesis 12, starting right in verse 1. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram. All right, let's stop there. So Abram may be kind of an interesting name. Maybe you're more familiar with the name Abraham. This is the same guy, Father Abraham. Maybe you've heard of him. He's kind of a famous Bible guy, and um, at some point his name gets turned from Abram to Abraham, but we're talking about the same guy, and that'll be the name changes story for another time. Uh, so today we're talking about Abraham. He's going to be Abram in this story. So right off the bat, want to kind of clue you into to that. Also, this is kind of cool because this, what we're about to read, is Abram's first encounter with God. Up to this point in the story, we have not seen God and Abram have any interaction, and this is how it starts. This is kind of um, the, the starting point, and what we get is kind of an entrance into the curtain of how Abram and his legacy and kind of the things we hear about him and the numerous stories that, that are in the rest of Genesis that we have, uh, it all starts here in Genesis 12. So I'm excited to um, kind of jump into this with you today. All right, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and everything you know and everything that's comfortable to you and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And catch this, guys. Wow. Catch this. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Wow, so we started big today, right? Like, go big or go home. Like, I'm sitting here, I remember reading this being like, God, 
Why wasn't that your first interaction with me? Come on. You could do anything with an interaction like that. God showed up to Abram. He revealed himself to him. And he said, listen, here's an eternal promise. Here's a far-reaching, world-reaching promise. This is what you get to carry around. Abram, just by associating with you and your family, people will be better off. When you walk in the room, the atmosphere is going to change. People are going to look at you, Abram, and go, I want whatever he's got. There are people that are going to be far from God all over the world, and they're going to have an interaction with Abram, and they're going to experience the blessing and the power of God simply from interacting with him. And it's not, it's not just anyone. L- listen to this. The, the last verse, wow. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is, we're talking generations. We're talking every nation, every tribe, every tongue. We're, we're talking everyone on this planet, this promise encompasses. This is crazy. I cannot imagine being Abram and getting this story. This is basically what God was telling him. Abram, you are going to be the ultimate influencer. We have influencers today, right? Does anyone follow an influencer on social media for better or for worse? But like, what's the the point of an influencer, right? It's that they have something and it looks really cool, cool outfit, cool makeup. They're, They're eating something really cool or they're doing something cool, and then you see them do it, and then what? You want to do it. You want to buy it. You want to use their code and get like 20% off or however that that thing works. Um, But this is even better than that. Abram's like, okay, think influencer, think bigger. People are going to experience me, the all-powerful God, because they've encountered you. They're going to see your life. They're going to see my blessing on you. And they, they'll experience the blessing and go, what? Where did that come from? And they'll get to experience the blessing of God and know God. When you know what you have, everything is an opportunity. This is, with that kind of promise, don't you feel like you could do anything? Don't you think, like, with that kind of promise, like, wow, like, the sky is the limit. Like, what you can accomplish, every room you walk in, your head's high, your shoulders are back. What can you accomplish with that kind of powerful promise of God and blessing on your life? Abram was about to cross nations. He was about to start over his entire life because of this promise. And what, what else could he be? With the sky the limit, he doesn't have to be threatened by other people. He doesn't have to be worried about what everyone thinks or how they respond. He has this promise, this huge promise. For Abram, he doesn't have to just worry about every interaction he has with people because he knows he's bringing something in. He doesn't have to be concerned about whatever he encounters. Well, this is exciting. Do you want to see this in action? Today, where I want to spend kind of the rest of our time 
is in the, the first story. So we just had first interaction, God appears to Abram, and now we're going to continue reading. We'll be in verse 10. In verse 10, we're going to jump down just a couple verses, still in Genesis 12. And what we're going to do is now look at Abram's first interaction with people. First interaction with people post-promise. All right, this is exciting. Let's see what happens. All right, verse 10. Now there was famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, she's also called Sarah, you may have heard that before, he said to her, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. So here, here's his great plan. You ready? Say you are my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dwelt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But, verse 17, the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Well, that's weird. I thought God had given this great promise to Abram. What happened? All the families of the world will be blessed through you, Abram. And then first family he encounters in real time, plagued. Um, Not just that family, but also his wife. So his own family wasn't even blessed. The exact opposite happened. So why? Did he forget? Okay, have you ever been told something and you're like, yes, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, I got it. You like feel it in your soul, like, I got this. I will go do it right now. And then, and then, you know, walk away. It's, It's only been like, what, three seconds? Not a big deal, a long time, really. And then you forget what you were, like, so sure of doing. Has it been, like, your boss or, or maybe a spouse? Like, oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And <laughs> you walk into the other room to go do it. And then you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go back to them and tell them. And then you look like you're not paying attention and don't care. And that's bad, whether it's your boss, whether it's your spouse. That never is good, right? <laughs> that's never good. 
Um, so this happens with, with me with names. So, of course, um, Mike and I, along with several new staff members, we get the opportunity to, you like how I said opportunity? Because it, it is, but like things, things that are hard, like we get the opportunity to meet everyone here and learn everyone's names. And I see some of you already smiling because you're the ones that I've already met <laughs> twice, maybe three times. And it's not because I don't care. Names are important, right? When someone remembers your name, don't you just feel like cared for and like you matter? That's important, right? Telling someone your name. Man, uh, Cecilia, I don't, I don't know if you know her. She's one of the amazing board members here. So several months ago, she was a part of hiring me. I met her then. And then, of course, I, I re-met her couple weeks ago and then met her again and she's been so graceful along with so many of you guys and it's and and right like have you ever done that have you ever forgotten someone's name and it's like it's not that I don't care I actually really care about you but that's just a place in my brain um so did Abram have that moment did he have this moment of just not do you just forget was like yes yes guy yes wow yes the promise, and then just walked to Egypt, and then it just slipped his mind? Is that, is that what happened? Well, in the way the story is written, uh, the way Hebrew narrative is written, and the way that this story, this um, instance um, in Egypt is structured, uh, it's, it's almost like a bullseye. Have, have you guys ever played darts? You know, you have kind of the shape. It's closer to the middle, the bullseye, the better it is. Well, this is how the story is structured. And it seems like the narrator was pointing something out to us in the middle of the story. There's like a bullseye, something to like anchor the narrative to. Um, So was it that Abram forgot what happened there? Well, let's look at verse 13, kind of the bullseye of the story. Verse 13. So if you remember, a lot of this craziness got precipitated because Abram kind of had a moment where he was afraid. Um, Specifically, he has this interaction with Sarai where he says, listen, they might kill me. Can you please, for my sake, call me, you know, I'm your brother, you're my sister. Can, Can you do that? And in verse 13, here's what he says. He says, do all of this, go along with my plan, verse 13, that it may go well with me, that it may go well with me. So Abram was afraid that Pharaoh might kill him. And, you know, from history, we know, and and even from other Bible stories, kings do what they want. That's part of being a king. And there was a very real possibility, I'll concede, and I think everyone in this room, we wouldn't argue that that's a valid concern that he had, right? He probably could have been killed if Pharaoh wanted his wife. That's something that was conceivable, that actually happened. But here's the thing. There's no indication in the story that that was reality. And in fact, what was the reality was something completely different. And what is reality that that Abram knew and that that we know as readers is that just a couple verses before, Abram had received God's promise, that big promise. 
in the story, Pharaoh actually seems like a pretty reasonable guy. And here's the thing, we are on the, the other side of a lot of these stories, and for us, when we come to the text, we hear Egypt, and we automatically think Egypt equals evil. Egypt equals evil. Now, sure, Pharaoh was a pagan, not God-fearing leader at the time, but this was about 430 years before Moses came and set the people free, set God's people free from slavery um, from a future Pharaoh. So Pharaoh in Egypt became this grand antagonist uh, several centuries later, but at this point, there, there was none of that there. Um, so while he was probably a not God-fearing man, um, we're not given any indication here that Pharaoh um, wanted to kill him or do anything of that sort. Um, but God had made him a promise. So do you see the tension here? Abram's promise, his blessing, his chance to bless the world, the sky's the limit, flew out the window. Where did it go? Just a couple verses later, what happened? Do you think Abram knew what he had in that promise God had given him? Do you think he knew this narrative is written so that leaders go, no, don't do it, right? Like, as it gets worse, did the tension rise in you? Like, this, this isn't, this, no, this is getting worse, this is getting worse, until um, the very end. Um, it's basically the whole situation was like a big dumpster fire, right? Like, textbook definition of kind of that idea. And not only that, but we know Abram had so much, Right? We knew God had talked to him. God, how many, how many of us have had a moment like that? Like God physically came to the man, gave him this promise, this huge, earth-shattering, eternity-changing promise. God had appeared to him. Not only that, he was so rich. He was one of the richest people. He had donkeys and camels and servants, and, and he was one of the richest people ever to live. He had so much, and God had promised him, why did he do this? And, and here's the thing. Did you guys notice that God wasn't even mentioned in the narrative? He is at the end because the narrator mentions God and says God stepped in to save Sarah Abram didn't even go to God. He had this amazing promise. There, there's no interaction with him and God in the story. When you know what you have, everything's an opportunity. You walk in with your shoulders high, confident. God is with me. I have God's promise with me. But Abram did not view his encounter with Pharaoh as an opportunity. He viewed it as a threat. He could have walked in there and said, wow, this is my first opportunity to put God's promise on my life in action. And instead, he went in fearing for his life. It became about what Abram could lose, not what he had. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about this problem. Is there a way that maybe we could relate with the tension in this story? Is there any way that, that we can um, kind of wrap our, our hands around like a tangible 
way to, to relate to what Abram was going through. And then finally, I have one takeaway for today. So in thinking through this problem, I came across a term that is used, um, it has been used for years and years in an economic sphere, and more and more it is being used not only in economics, but it has crossed dips, disciplines into the psychology sphere, the, the counseling sphere, mental health sphere, and this term is called scarcity. And here's what scarcity means. Scarcity is when you are so obsessed with a lack of something or the thought that you could lose something that you can't seem to focus on anything else, no matter how hard you try. And this happens to all of us. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Has anyone ever been hangry? Oh, yeah. This is second service. You guys are my people, right? By the, by the end of service every week, how soon is lunch? We are counting down. There are popsicles. I want my popsicle, right? <laughs> Have you ever been hangry? You know, we're all reasonable. I'm a reasonable person, right? You guys, reasonable, we're all reasonable people in here. But what, what happens when you get hungry? Something snaps. And it, it happens in an instant, right? This, like, tunnel vision. Nothing else matters. All my reasonableness goes away. <laughs> my, my, guys, I'm a great wife. That flies out the window <laughs> when I'm hangry. Um, I, I like to think I'm a pretty good employee, but let me tell you, if it is lunchtime, it is time to stop what I'm doing <laughs> and get lunch for everyone's sake and mine, right? I love this. There's this meme going around. It's on t-shirts, things like that. It says, I apologize for what I said when I was hungry. Anyone been there? Anyone been there? And yeah, a few years ago, there were these Snickers commercials circling around that says, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> That's so true, right? Here's the thing. God wired our brains for this. This tunnel vision is a good thing. We need to eat, right? It's helpful because this, this tunnel vision, what happens when, when the kind of the, the snap happens, all the other things kind of fade, and then all of a sudden it's the one need that you have to focus on. It's helpful because it helps us meet our most immediate needs, like hunger, right? Hunger. Um, and it's automatic and unconscious. It's not a choice you make. You don't choose it. It happens to you, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, wow, okay, I'm not, I'm not the person I was five minutes ago because now I'm hungry or, or whatever it would be. Um, so this is a great thing. This is a great gift God has given us, um, has wired our brains to do. I'm so thankful he did that. It helps keep us safe. But, but here's the thing, and here's, here's what I want to tell you today. Moments of that tunnel vision, moments of scarcity, are great. God intended them to happen. But you are not meant to live in scarcity. That is not meant to be your constant state of being. You're not meant to just go through life with tunnel vision focus. And, and here's why. You can only think about so many things at once. It's true. It's true. You can only think about, your brain only has so much capacity to concentrate on different things going on. But here's what scarcity does, though. 
So you can only think about so many things at once, and when that tunnel vision happens, when, when that kind of snaps in your brain, it limits your brain function. You can't plan as well. You can't focus as well. Um, your projects and your tasks are not as good. You're not delivering the work that you are capable of delivering when, when you are constantly in a state of scarcity and tunnel vision. And listen, this is not just about money. I know this is a term that's been used in the, the economic sphere for a long time, but a perfect example, Abram, he was one of the richest men. He was one of the richest men. He had all these servants, all this stuff. We find out later his servants are trained and can be an army, like all, all these things. He has all this stuff and the, the promise of God. So he's very rich, um, but he still operated from this place. Um, and, and this can apply to anything. Um, this can do with lack of safety, with lack of control or certainty or success. We all have needs. Those are valid needs that we need met that we can uh, focus on. Um, it all has to do with um, not feeling good enough. And here are some fascinating studies. So when I say this is crossed over into the sphere of psychology and things like that, I'm talking like top schools, uh, top uh, psychologists and neurobiologists have, have taken this thing on. And here is, what, um, here is what some studies found, particularly uh, I'm talking like Princeton, Harvard, Yale. So um, yeah, like I said, that this stuff is, is pretty fascinating. Here's, here's what these studies say. Having a scarcity mentality can lower your IQ by as many as 14 points. It might not seem like much, but it's enough to move your score from, an a from average to outstanding and vice versa. If you have an average IQ, losing 14 points can make it fall into the deficient category. Just by tunnel vision, just by tunnel vision. And this is all like brain scan kind of stuff. So actual measurable things like measuring the parts of your brain and how they're working and if they're turned on or not. If you are constantly in a mental state motivated by scarcity, it will affect your ability to solve problems, hold information, and reason logically. And maybe think about the fact that you're letting your wife be taken by a foreign king. That too. Abram was working out of a scarcity mindset. Abram was hyper-focused on the thought that he needed to save his life. He didn't think about God's promise in that moment. He didn't think about his wife or the Egyptians. And here's the thing. This is, this is what I hope everyone hears today. Because of that, everyone in the story got hurt. Everyone. His wife got hurt. Pharaoh and his family got hurt. Everyone got hurt. And you know what? Even sadder, no one in the story got to experience the blessing of God. We will never know what would have happened if, Pharaoh if, if Abram had decided to bless Pharaoh and tell him about God. If he had walked in and had been the nicest guy to Pharaoh, believed in him, and Pharaoh was able to experience the blessing of God, maybe becoming a God follower, who knows if the exodus would have needed to happen 430 years later. What if Abram had brought God to Egypt then, in this moment? We don't know what would have happened. 
no one got to experience the blessing of God. They experienced God all right. They experienced his power, but they experienced plagues and affliction because God had to spend his time and power taking care of Sarah instead of blessing the nations and the people through Abram, like the promise had said. So what can be our takeaway today? What's, what's the antidote here? What, what's something we can take home today? Well, focus on what you have. Focus on what you have, not what you can lose. Not your fear. And here's the thing. I am not standing here today and minimizing Abram's fear. I'm not uh, minimizing whatever the thing is that, that maybe you carried in today that maybe kept you up at night last night or this week. In fact, I think they're very valid. Abram's problem was real. Their Pharaoh could have been a jerk to him. He could have killed him and taken his wife. My issue isn't with Abram's problem, and my issue isn't with the thing that, that you're holding onto today that that's hard. My issue isn't the problem, it was his solution to his problem. He had a big problem, but the promise he had in God was far bigger. And you know what? What if God didn't come through through Abram? What if he decided to, to bless Pharaoh and it all went south and it didn't go well for him and, and he ended up dying? You know what? Yeah, that's a possibility. And whatever you're worrying about, it's a possibility. Yeah, what if God didn't come through? That is real. But you know what? You need God to come through either way. Either you need to, God to come through on his promise or you're going to need God to come through and help pick up the pieces of the hurt you caused by acting out of scarcity. So you need God to show up in power either way. If Abram really knew all that he had in God, I believe he would have acted differently. But here's a spoiler. Poor Abram. I feel like if he was here today, I need to like call him up and give him a hug and be like, man, I have been so hard on you today. I am so sorry. Um, I, yeah, th that's pretty harsh, right? Um, but here's the good news. This is only the first story. Because after this story, there are so many other stories of Abram. I think he learned this lesson here, guys. I hope he learned his lesson. There is, a, there is a lot at play here. I think he learned his lesson. And guess what? If you were to keep reading in Genesis, maybe, maybe this week, part of your regular Bible reading or whatever you do, what you find is that he ends up figuring it out. He ends up living out this promise. He ends up facing very similar situations completely differently. God comes through. People are blessed. His promise and blessing spreads from his family to more and more people, and the promise ultimately comes true. And so I, I, I know we spent a lot of time on this story today, so I want to, if Abram was here, I'd give him a break. And he, but he figures it out. And I want to say this. If you really knew how much you had in Jesus, I don't know what you came in today with. I don't know. There's some heavy stuff going on in the world and in our lives, isn't there? 
But if you knew what you had in Jesus, you wouldn't walk around feeling so defeated all the time, with your shoulders down, with your head down. You wouldn't have to be up at night, you know, running all these things through your head. And it's all valid and it's hard. And can we just be honest about that today? But if you knew the promise, if you knew what was for you in Jesus Christ, you would write it down. (laughs) You would remind yourself of it daily. You would get on your knees in the morning and thank God of his promise. You would begin to notice when you are in scarcity. You'd begin to notice when you have that tunnel vision. And it happens naturally. That's not a sin. Worrying isn't a sin. It's the living in it that's a sin. And when you notice it, and when you notice the tunnel vision coming on, you could say, look, this is big, but the promise of God is so much bigger. You would declare that over your life. You'd give anything, just like Abram, to be a part of what God is doing in the world. You might quit your job, like Pastor Brian, to follow the call of God, completely change the trajectory of your family based on the promise because it's that big. You would bring the blessing of God to the world. Your school, your workplace, your family would never be the same. And, and let, let's talk super practical here. Just the people in this room for a second. Just me and, and us, us together. If we got this, if we knew the promise of God and we walked into rooms, and we went out from this place carrying the promise of God, shoulders back, head high, walking in, seeing people as an opportunity to bless and pass the blessing of God on and the power of God on. Can you imagine what God could accomplish here in Dublin and in the greater Columbus area? We're about to plant a campus in Marysville, and Marysville team, um, I've said this last service. Can you imagine, um, first of all, planning a church is not easy. There are so many details and things that, well, it may go right or it may not go right, and there's, there's things that may or may not work, and it's, it's intimidating, isn't it? It's a big thing, but it's because the calling of God is that big. Egypt was intimidating, Pharaoh was intimidating, but the promise of God and the calling of God to Egypt, to the nations— to Dublin, to your neighborhood, to Marysville, the promise is so much greater. So much greater. So what do we have? Then what's our promise? Abram got his. What's our promise? What, what can we take to the bank? What can we hold on to? Is there anything? The promise we have really big. Is there anything that's even close to that promise that God gave Abram. Well, let's go to Galatians 3. So we're talking New Testament here, Galatians 3, starting in verse 7. And what we have here in Galatians, so this is first century. So here, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking about several centuries before, a couple thousand years before, um, And he's talking to Christians and answering the same question. So then what do we have? What do we have? And here is what he says. You ready? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I love this. 
Know then, he says, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of who? Abraham. And the scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and he quotes the verse we read today. He's saying in the Old Testament, here is what was said to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith, those who believe in Jesus, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Do you catch what's happening here? Isn't this exciting? He said that this promise that we read, it's not just some distant thing that happened to one guy one time in the past. It's our promise now. It's something we can take to the bank today. All right, Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to us, go from your country, from everything that makes you comfortable, and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth, of Dublin, of Marysville, of your friends at school, of the, your coworkers, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, we have some popsicles outside. Um, I'd love to pray to close. And yeah, let's, let's go out of here with our heads high and eat a delicious popsicle and, and meet someone, someone's name. Lord Jesus, thank you for this promise. Help us put this in our backpack. Let us walk out of here knowing that we don't have to live in scarcity. We don't have to live focused on what's going on in front of us, that it's real, but your promise is more real and greater. Lord, I pray that for all of us in this room today. And Lord, I thank you already for the way you are going to bless this world through the people in this room. I ask this in your name.